The Holy Gospel this morning is according to St. John, the 17th chapter. Jesus is praying for his disciples, and Jesus prayed. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The Gospel of the Lord. God's grace and peace to you, to all of us, to this community, to our country, and to our world this day. Martin Luther King Jr. famously said, all that evil needs to thrive is for good people to do nothing. And yet, in these past couple of weeks, I have to admit I've felt both empty and paralyzed. Felt like there is nothing that I can do, that I am helpless to change the course of a machine that is producing nearly one and a half of these tragedies per day so far this year in our country. 27 in our schools just this year, 288 just in our schools since 2009, and that number increases every year. I've had the sickening sense in the roundabout drop-off at school with my daughter like I'm in a roulette wheel. And while I know, logically, the odds are still very low for an event happening here, I think some of you know how I feel. I think collectively we feel this together. And believe me, I can feel and I can hear the anger, the sorrow, the anxiety as I talk to some of you, and even as I see some of your posts crying out. But today isn't about me being a pulpit version of a Google search to paralyze us even further with a flood of statistics or bad news. And I know there are all kinds of stumps today that I might stand on to encourage you or propel you in what you should do next. I have some strong feelings for sure. But perhaps it is not just about me and my ideas today, but rather something God 
has to say. More than an idea, but a proclamation. So I want to go further beneath those stumps to ask a question that I think gets to where Jesus is going when he speaks to his disciples today, when he speaks to us today. Because his words are critical. Life and death, you might say. So my question today for us is, what centers you? And perhaps a better question in this kind of individualistic culture that we live in is to ask, what is it that centers us? And honestly, this really gets even deeper below those stumps to that fundamental question that kind of permeates all of Scripture throughout. Who or what is our God? Who or what are we worshiping? Now, I'm no prophet, but I think if there were a Jeremiah or an Isaiah or a Miriam or a Deborah in our midst today, they would see us as centered in a culture of violence. And I don't know all the factors that go into creating that culture. I wish I did. But I know in myself... I can see it springing forth from my own self-righteousness, my own selfishness, my own worship of individualism. I must be heard. I must be right. I am not the problem. I am entitled to, etc., etc. The list goes on. In fact, it seems to me a great irony or even a great and grave dishonor, especially on this Memorial Sunday To think that those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for others, those who have died for the we, have had that gift of freedom twisted into a focus on the I, self-glorification. And yet this is exactly where Jesus enters in with the final words he will give to his disciples before his arrest and crucifixion. The final words we get in this Easter season before the vengeance and violence of the religious and political leaders find Jesus, before the bloodthirst of the crowds find him, he finds us and gives us a promise that centers us in a far different way of life. The whole chapter, all of chapter 17, the last words Jesus will have with his disciples, all of it is a prayer. And in this final petition, in these final verses here, there is a promise in which we can find both comfort and purpose. Look at me, self-glorification is put to death by Jesus' words as he centers himself and us in a glory of service and self-sacrifice. Remember where we started with Jesus kneeling before the disciples and washing their feet. That is a kind of glory His glory, his throne will be upon the cross. He calls us into a glory of service and self-sacrifice. A deep and abiding connection to God is proclaimed in overwhelming love. If you haven't noticed it, the past three weeks, four weeks, this whole month has been about love again and again. Jesus brings up this deep, abiding, overwhelming love. The knowing of Jesus' word of grace is celebrated in his ministry, but also cast forward into our ministry as well. And all the while, the assurance, again here, uh, the assurance that we belong to and we are centered in 
this God of love and grace. Being found in this intimate connection and wrapped together, space may seem like a warm blanket or, or kind of a cozy chair to sink into and wrap up in to kind of hide away so that we might be comforted. And it does offer that. This is a great word of comfort for us. But for what purpose? Is it just to stay in that blanket and in that chair? Is it just to protect us and allow us to stay in a place of fear, to build up more walls of protection, to seek greater security? If it's that, then we are like the disciples stuck in that locked room on that first Easter day. We are agreeing to let the gods of isolation and radicalization and violence run amok. Now, I want to be clear here. I am not blaming myself. I'm not blaming you um, directly for these horrific acts. There's no need to feed the gods of paralyzing guilt either today. But if I look at the victims, and it's the hard part, even if I look at those who have committed such twisted acts as anything less than my family, then I am doing violence to Christ's body and to Christ's vision and to Christ's promise in this prayer. It sounds nice to wish for the day when we can just all get along or to cry out for kindness and to puzzle over why people can't just exercise it more. But if I am carrying around a promise, if we are carrying around a promise that creates and declares that kind of culture, that kind of reality, that kind of center, and we are desperately finding ways to declare it to our brothers and sisters, then what are we allowing to grow in its place? Less and less people truly know what we know, or even get to hear it. Less and less people are gathering and centering around the promise and presence that God gives us in Christ Jesus in this worship today and in other ways that we gather. And like the early church, this promise needs a preacher. Not just a pastor from this pulpit, but a preacher, those brave enough to step into the traumatized deserts where belonging and hope and basic care are lacking. As we can see all around us, our lives depend on proclaiming such a promise. And I truly want, with all my heart, for you to leave this place knowing that Christ has wrapped you in his love, has united you with a loving Father and with those around you, those not just sitting next to you, but all those whom you encounter. I want you to know and leave this place knowing that God has immeasurable value for your life and for your gifts. But I also truly hope that we, that we leave this place. I hope with all my heart that anyone uh, who leaves this place today would have that heart and mind, that unity in Christ, that knowing that anyone who leaves your presence or my presence, your grocery store encounter, your, your foster home, your mentoring session, your coach's office, your school, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, whatever encounters you might have, has at least a glimpse of this promise that we have received today as well. That they have an assurance that the unconditional love that has filled you has overflowed into their life as well. Because you see, you don't carry an idea from this place today. You don't carry a philosophy. 
You don't carry a slogan. You carry an actual promise. One of love unending. One of hope unwavering. And of connection made solid by the real presence of God come down in Christ Jesus to us and for us. A promise that does not carry you away from the world, but one that carries you and I into it. Centered, grounded, connected in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. I don't have all the answers. I don't even know if I have some of them. But I have a promise. And like those we remember this weekend who have run into the fray, never to return, we too are called and equipped and sent. This may be the last Sunday, the last Sunday of Easter for us as a church, but it is not the last time that we will proclaim the Easter message, the crucified and risen Christ, the one who has connected us, the one who has united us, the one who has filled us with hope and joy and love that is life-giving, that is life and death, that gives us the urgency in our call to offer to a world broken, a world in need, a world that needs that love, that unconditional presence of God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, in whose name we hope, in whose name we are called. Thanks be to God. Amen.